hello, hello, and welcome to the Vagabond Way podcast. The journey goes ever on with the long road. This episode, these influencers ain't on Instagram. Join Steve Bonham, Kev Moore, and me, Chris the Bishleiden, as we discuss the musical influences over the years on the long road sound, from rock to acoustic music to jazz to visual art. Kev Moore takes us up north to a record store in Wakefield, and Steve Bonham introduces the freshest of the fresh, uh, a first draft of a brand new song, uh, and I bring news from the kitchen. The Vagabond Way podcast, featuring The Long Road, is exploring the world of the troubadour, the adventurer, the vagabond. The world isn't beige, it isn't processed, it's authentic, it's rich, and it's real. If those are the sorts of sentiments that make your brain light up, then hop on board. We are embracing all of those things, celebrating all of that, and we'd love it if you joined us on the journey. Greetings, I am Chris the Bishleiden, welcome to this week's show. Uh, busy times here at Vagabond Way HQ, we're still pushing our single that we launched a few weeks ago on a bridge across the river, much thanks for everyone's continued support on that, don't forget to check out the video on YouTube and check out the track on Spotify, but we're also gearing up for the, the launch of our next single, you know, that's next week now, um, part of our sort of new methodology of smaller chunks of music, but more frequently, um, all of a sudden, three weeks have passed and we're, we're on to the next single, yee-haw. Uh, this next one is called If There's a God Out Here. Uh, it's a good one, though. Um, you'll enjoy it, I know it. Uh, we'll have a special episode next week dedicated to that single. Don't forget also the next episode of the Transatlantic Connection Show uh, is coming out in a few days, too, on Tuesday the 29th of September, 2020. Check it out on youtube.com slash thevagabondway. This episode, Steve Bonham continues his chat with Graham Steele, uh, and Steve reveals the, the conclusion to last week's nail-biting cliffhanger, plus chat and music from Elaine Davidson, a great singer-songwriter from the north of England. Please also do enjoy our curated Spotify playlists. Just search for Transatlantic Connection and you'll find them. Um, Steve's got one, I've got one, and Kev Moore has one as well. So this week's Chat Between the Long Road focuses on our musical influences from rock backgrounds to acoustic music to New Orleans, blues, jazz, um, uh, and even soaks in some influences from visual art as well. So I'm going to hand over to me. Here we are again, the three of us from the long road. So we've got Kev Moore in Spain at home, we've got Steve Bonham at home in Derbyshire, and me, Chris the Bishleiden, I'm at home in Manchester. So this week we thought we'd um, sort of delve into our musical brains a little bit and have a think about the the artists, the bands, the music that's inspired us, the stuff that goes on. You know, we've got some new music coming out every every few weeks right now. We've got a we had a new single out a couple of weeks ago. We've got another single out um, in another couple of weeks. And, and it's all building up to uh, a new EP uh, at the end of October called Out of the Darkness. And there's loads of different musical influences coming into into all of these songs we're making now. So, Kev, maybe tell us a little bit about what goes on in your head musically. Yeah, well, how long <laughs> have you got? <laughs> yeah. yeah, my influence, it's interesting to kind of uh, address this because, as everybody probably knows by now, I, I come from more of a rock background, generally speaking, and my tastes as I've grown older have broadened. Uh, not letting go of that but encompassing other areas and I suppose acoustic music wise some quite obscure artists have, have influenced me that is to say the artists that made me think you know what I like listening to this kind of stuff uh, one would be a, a band called Uma Jets who, is ba- who were basically like a uh, they were sort of like a 90s Simon and Garfunkel 
type thing. Oh, right. Uh, they were yeah. formed out of the ashes of a band called Jellyfish. I don't know if you're familiar with them. <laughs> They're an ama- amazing musician. Anybody who hasn't heard of them who likes Beatles... Beach Boys and Queen and beautifully crafted uh, songs okay. should check them oh, out. Wow. They, they made two amazing albums. But two of the guys from them formed this outfit called Umajets and they, very acoustic bass, beautiful acoustic playing, and they, they really sort of turned me on to that kind of style. Plus living out here in Andalusia, it was Steve really that, that sort of noticed that that kind of guitar influence was creeping into my... Yeah, playing and I and I just suddenly went, wow, yes, it is, but it's to be expected because I've got a gypsy family that live over the road and the kids sat there flamenco in it nine to the dozen most days, so <laughs> it's got yeah. it's gone in. You know, we absorb these things like a sponge, yeah. and that of course coupled with uh, you know the Eagles are very responsible for for drawing rock fans into a country-tinged acoustic vibe, you know, in, in many ways. So there was that also. My old mate, Robin Sarsted, out here, he used to play a song called Cash on the Barrelhead by Graham Parsons. Yeah. Uh, and that, I thought, wow, that's good, you know. I'm not supposed to like this kind of stuff, but that's good, <laughs> you know. And more recently, a guitarist called Jim Capilongo, who I discovered when I wandered into BPM Records in Derby, some time ago mm. and they they had a cd playing in the background and uh, didn't pay too much attention until this solo kicked in and i'm like stop everything what's that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was he was playing uh it wasn't acoustic but he was playing a, a fender telecaster quite obviously but very clean but he was making it do things inhuman things you know and i <laughs> yeah. i just thought that is such incredible playing so yeah that's that's kind of my that's what's come into my melting pot for, for that sort mm. of thing. Steve? So kind of listening to that and thinking, you know, I love that, you know, it's a very yeah. physical thing playing acoustic guitar. Yeah. Particularly to play it like we do, which is heavy. Yeah. Trying to get that physical rich thickness out of the sound, you know, that's, I always love that. And I think my kind of influence is in the, uh, you know, that I can see a golden thread or, or a, rather a discoloured, slightly rusty thread going back through time. <laughs> uh I, I, because I think I've always had this idea that I love swampy music, you know, Chris, you know, from the, from, from down the decades. You know, it's that brew of stuff that comes from people who've lived their lives, you know, and it's not something you can learn, it's only something you can feel. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so to, to, to me, that there's certain tracks that sort of blew my mind. I, I remember Robbie Robertson's Somewhere Down the River, Somewhere Down the Crazy River, I think it was called. Yeah, what a, what a song. Where he's just half speaking this bit about being in the backseat of a car with his girlfriend, rumbles out this line, if, if you like it now, you're going to love it later. And just that kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that yeah. stuff. And then It's organic, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it is. And then, you know, people like what Dr John was doing down in New Orleans, you know. Mm. It's like another world. It feels like the world of musicians. It's the world of conjurers and it's, it's our world. Mm. And I like the kind of way those word spinners work, using kind of a surreal form of everyday language. I love love that. Which then sort of says, you know, as a, some of the music that's informed me have been pictures, you know, funnily enough. Mm. Mm. I, I love those old... Dutch paintings of Bruegel paintings where everyone's in a out in the village square and people are flirting with each other and they're drunk and there's someone vomiting over the neighbour yeah. and, and <laughs> as, a, as a hen got loose 
And right in the middle, there's something very, very dramatic happening. Yes. Yeah. You know, with the world going on around it. And I just love that that idea of drama. Yeah, I always see a painting like a frame of a film, you know, a snapshot of something else that's happening, you know, what's happening in the next frame, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where a painting draws you in, isn't it? And with songs, you can take it that little bit further. There's a painting, you might even remember this, when we were at school, Kev, there was a book we used to, a poetry book we used to have. I don't know what it's called, but we have volume four of it. And um, there was a W.H. Auden poem, life of me, I can't remember, but it was about Icarus. Right. And on the next page to it, there was a picture by a Dutch artist of this guy ploughing a field up and down, the birds are flying up in the sky, and then there's a seat, and there's just one leg sticking out the seat. <laughs> and. <laughs> yeah. I I love that painting. You know the yeah. the big picture. The the guy in mainframe is the, is the ploughman, and yeah. he's not taking yeah. any notice of this drama going on just over his yeah. shoulder. So that's really, you know, I think that's what we're trying to do on the album. Is you know, and we can take in we can take in all those great musicians. To, to me, you know, it is it is the music of the southern states. I think, but actually, I I like the narrative form of English ballads. Um, to me, the way people like Towns Van Zandt and Dylan conjure up things with very, very precise language, mm. you know, that, 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 that kind of almost shocks you in its, yeah. its way of talking. And in terms of the sound, you know, yeah, it is a lot of that. My sound, I feel, is more, it's a bit eclectic, you know, it's got bits of jazz floating around in my head and, you know, yeah. not that I know what I'm doing, as, you know, as you guys know. Um <laughs> which is great because it never bothers me. But, yeah. but all of it has got that earthy feel. That to me is, that's what anything that feels like that. You know, I remember when um, uh, Buena Vista Social Club. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. When that first music first came out, these 70, 80-year-olds playing this, I just listened to it right. days on end. It doesn't get any more real than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was on repeat on my car for months, that was. So it blew my mind, you know, and I thought, I love, and all the different intervals that they were using. Yeah. You know, they weren't interested in you know, proper music. They were playing... I, th- I think for me, I mean, that album in particular, it absolutely got me that there were these guys who... who knew inside out this form of music and the, the the impression I got from it was they didn't give a f- about the rules it's <laughs> true and they were just making the music that they knew they had to make yeah. yes and and they and boy did they know how to make it it was inspiring yeah that's the word yeah yeah it was it was, it was just just a brilliant brilliant sound I do think that grittiness that earthiness we've got I do think that is the common denominator with the mm. music you know, and that's we, we always try to achieve that, don't we? I think the I think the the grittiness and earthiness, and actually, the, the, as Steve says, this the cinematic nature to what we're trying to do, and sometimes that's minuscule cinema. It's the the revolutions of one little character in a little place doing a little thing, yeah. uh, and it's just that little thing going around. Sometimes it's a city. We're trying to get. We're trying to convey this. I the the, the whole history of a, of a city in three verses and two choruses kind yeah. of thing. Uh, and, and I love the cinematic nature of, of the music that we're, that we're doing. It's a difficult art form, you know, to tell a story uh, and tell it well within the confines of generally, not always the case with Steve, but, <laughs> but generally, three, generally three and a half minutes. 
is, is a skill, you know. It isn't easy mm. to get across everything you want to say. And what I love about what we do, it's not just the lyrics that tell the story, it's mm. the atmosphere that all our instrumentation creates as well. Particularly this, this EP we've, we've got coming up, yeah, sort of six weeks at this point, I think shows that to a huge extent because we've got some very atmospheric music in this one and stuff that actually I think only came about because we were in the studio the three of us together working with Stuart the the, um, the engineer at Woodworm and we were thinking let's try this let's do this the the song will be out in a couple of weeks if there's a god out here I think is a fine fine example of atmosphere that yeah. there's so many layers to the story in that in that one yeah. we've pushed ourselves we've, we've we've actually found a bit of an extreme here for us i think about how far we'd go with the song and i think it's great i can't i can't wait for people to hear it actually yeah. um if anyone says we're folk after that they can <laughs> they can folk off absolutely <laughs> songs in the mix you get a brief peek behind the curtain of the clearly tyrannical grip i have on my compadres in my thirst for content for the podcast um, i seemingly squeezed steve dry for a new song this week within minutes of gently reminding him i was due a new segment for the show from him uh, this missive had arrived so i'm going to hand over to steve song in the mix this week is it's a strange song in fact it's called strange motel you know, songs can sometimes hit you at very inconvenient times. Um, I've been working hard this week, um, get my act together for, for the book launch of a new book, How to Survive and Thrive in an Impossible World, uh, which is out on Monday, good folks. If anybody wants to come and uh, have a look at that, go to the website and have a, have a look. Um, anyway, just to sort of break up the monotony of staring at a computer screen, uh, which is... It's something I find increasingly difficult to do for 12 hours a day. I, I picked up uh, my um, my Avenue 5, 5th Avenue rather, <laughs> that way around, 5th Avenue uh, arch-top guitar and just started plucking away. And I'd left a partial capo on and these very strange, very strange chords start to just... just started to appear. And you know, before you know what you're doing, you're 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 starting to play around. And and after half an hour, I had this very odd chord progression, um, which I instinctively like because I, I like to give Kevin Chris a surprise now and then when they when they they're, they're just feeling a little too comfortable with the world. And so I thought that that should um, that should confuse them. I should know better than that because it will not confuse either of them. Anyway, there I was, and I thought, "Oh, that's good. I'll I'll play with that later." And then and then Chris said, "I need I need something for the podcast." And I thought, "Oh, heckers, heckers! I'll I'll finish it." Uh, and so I, I started to write that yesterday evening, and I've just finished it now. And the subject of my song is motels. Uh, we have motels in, in 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 the UK, but but not many. Where whereas they are a deep and significant part of American culture over there. They're all the same. They all have a, a veranda on the outside that you walk round. Each room opens directly out onto that the veranda. Inside would be two, three quarter sized 
uh, double beds, presumably two singles, um, a very shallow plastic bath, a coffee filter machine and lots and lots of very small bits of packaging which drive you mad. I've always liked motels, so I've stayed in them many, many times over the years. They're not extravagant places, they're practical and always, the rooms always look worn but clean. I suppose that's the rule for them. They always have that strange air, I guess ever since um, Hitchcock, you know, psycho, who could be in the next room or whatever. Um, and uh, there's no public space except for usually around reception. Anyone could be staying in any of the rooms. You just know from the trucks and the 4 by 4s and the old cars parked outside. It's It's the great common folk of America with one of the common folk of Britain having to stay there. And then this song just grew out of imagining what sort of people could be staying in a motel at a time like this. And I imagined this over the years, the various noises, sounds, raised conversations I'd heard and just poured them into this song. It's really rough and it's really not ready, but I thought I'd give you an early listening. Will we use it? Who knows? Some old show feels his life is on repeat. It's a great day every morning out on losing street in the room across the hall. Sleeps the lonely Madeleine. All the hopes are in a hold of life like a weather vane. Hard to know 
take some understanding Out on the highway On a hot one Hello again everyone and welcome to Kev's Cafe Corner once more where I bid you welcome into my virtual cafe and we discuss over these uh, weeks at the moment anyway uh, record stores, their location and importance in my life at least. Last week perhaps you'll remember we were in Shrewsbury and this week we're going to travel north to Wakefield, a town where I lived for many years a long time ago. Now, back then in the early 80s, there were quite a few record shops around Wakefield, the most important one being EGS Records, I would think. And I used to shop there quite often. It was in the days when people bought a lot of vinyl, a lot of CDs, etc. But, of course, it saddened me as these places disappeared and the need for them seemed to have disappeared. But many years later, I discovered that a guy called Alan had opened a new record shop in Wakefield called Wawa Records. This was a brave move, you know. People weren't really doing that kind of thing, and he was just getting in at the beginning of the resurgence of the interest in vinyl and and buying albums in, in that way. And he's created a place now where people can go and browse and order records and uh, buy and part exchange second-hand records. And it's just... Wonderful to see that brought back into the town. And I've bought quite a few things from Alan and probably one of my most recent and my most treasured possessions is the double vinyl of XTC's Oranges and Lemons, which I'd been after for some time. I had it on CD, but I really wanted the vinyl. And now, thanks to Wawa Records, it's in my possession yeah, you might want to check it out if you get a chance. Uh, Oranges and Lemons is a double vinyl album and really there's hardly a bad note on it. XTC for me are one of the greatest British pop bands uh, going from outright electric punk to beautifully creative pastoral music. I don't think there's been a band perhaps other than the Beatles that through their career have grown and become much more than the sum of their parts from day one to the day they hung up their guitars, which was a sad day. One of the greatest British bands for me, and there's something for everybody in their catalogue. So that's what Wawa Records gave to me, amongst other purchases, which um, are too numerous to go into. Uh, And I'm just really glad that Alan had the courage to open a shop like that in Wakefield and to create a meeting place for people, because that's how I see record shops. You know, music is something that binds us all, and therefore it follows to me that the place where you go to browse music, to listen to music, to choose and buy your music, is a meeting place where you can exchange ideas and uh, swap albums even, you know, buy and sell the uh, collections 
that people bring in to exchange and trade. And I just find that a really lovely part of life, especially in, in these times when we can't see live music right now. The source of pleasure it has to be the, the recorded versions. And next week, I shall be visiting yet another shop because I'm trying to highlight these places. If you're ever up in Yorkshire, you could do worse than visit Wawa Records in Wakefield. And when you see Alan, tell him Kev sent you. See you next week. Daily Bread, uh, uh, we're talking old and new. Uh, an old friend of mine, a bit of an obsession in the first few months of lockdown, I suppose, the the perfect pizza dough. Uh, I'm still not there, but I found another recipe this week that pushed my, oh, I'll give that a try button, sufficiently hard to actually make me give that a try. This was a, a video on, on Facebook of an Italian chef making the dough. Now, he used a specific flour uh, and talked about the flour's W rating, something I'd not come across before, um, to do with the protein level in the flour, I think. Um, it looks like sort of strong bread flour over here is around 300 on this W scale. Um, a little over, actually, what he was suggesting, I think, uh, for this recipe. But that's all I had, so I thought I'd just run with it. Um, Slightly different method to others as well, starting with dissolving the salt in the water and then mixing in about 10% of the flour uh, and then adding the yeast. I mean, he used fresh yeast, but he did say you could substitute dried yeast. Um, and then the rest of the flour and mixing as normal. He also said leave it to rest for 24 hours in an ambient temperature in a sealed container. Uh, my most recent successes uh, with pizza dough have been with a, a chilled dough. So this was a bit different. And the resultant dough was actually excellent. Uh, not quite as pliable as his. Not sure if that was the, the kneading, kneading more, uh, or if the flour was the wrong sort. But uh, it baked well and it tasted great. Uh, I think my forever enemy will be the uh, temperature of the oven, though. Not sure I'll ever get a domestic oven to the temperature I really want for pizza. Nevertheless, a good pizza resurrection this week. Um, so that is followed by one of my favourite ever bread products, crumpets, um, but a, a new venture for me. I don't think I've ever tried to make crumpets before. can't remember what triggered it this week, but uh, um, something happened and I ordered the requisite rings online um, and then found a recipe, dead simple and actually very quick overall, just about just over an hour all told, um, uh, and delicious homemade crumpets were my reward. I am so used to the shop-bought ones though, which have a... They've got a very specific texture, haven't they? Uh, it's not quite rubbery, but it's sort of on that wavelength. Um, and I don't know about you, but I always have to turn my toaster to its maximum setting uh, and probably put them in for two rounds on that setting to get them anywhere near the toasty that I like. Anyway, these homemade crumpets, they were much softer inside than the shop-bought ones. But you know, actually, I feel that that was to their benefit. You know, I'm always quietly amazed by the variety of things that you can make from water, or milk in this case, flour, salt, and yeast. Oh, and in this instance, a dash of bicarb as well. You know, endless varieties. <laughs> So that's 
it for this week. Thanks for listening, wherever in the world you are. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify. The next episode will be out next Friday. Join us on YouTube for the Transatlantic Connection show and become part of the Transatlantic Connection movement. Head to youtube.com slash thevagabondway. You can find us on Facebook, The Vagabond Way or Steve Bottom on the Long Road. All of our music's on Spotify and Apple Music. Go and have a listen. Give us a follow if you like what you hear. Share it with a pal who you think might like it as well. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash thevagabondway. Big thank you to our Patreon and a special shout out to Orla Flynn, James Lydon, Yvette Lydon and Trish Taylor. Thank you for your continuing support. Patreon is a great platform that makes it super easy for anyone out there, you, to support content that you love on a monthly basis. It gives you direct access to the people creating the stuff you love, us, hopefully, and you get to play an integral part in shaping the direction of the things that we make. So become a Vagabonder. That's our name for our supporters on Patreon. To help us create music, live performances, books and short stories, this weekly podcast, our YouTube show, and some new things we're cooking up. As a Vagamonda, you can get the recordings and books we make for free, receive exclusive Patreon-only merchandise in the post, get regular behind-the-scenes updates from us, unlock access to exclusive live stream performances and Q&As, and lots more. You can help us create something different, something that entertains and something that inspires others. So, join us on the journey and release The Vagabond Within. Patreon.com slash The Vagabond Way. Thank you once again, brave adventurers, vagabonds and explorers, for joining us on The Vagabond Way. Remember, the world isn't beige, it's authentic, it's rich and it's real. Embrace every last bit of it. Until next time, the journey goes ever on with The Long Road. Bye for now. (laughs) 